Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Unity on the River's virtual Sunday service for March 14, 2021. I am Reverend Ogan Holder, Senior Minister here. As always, glad that you've taken the time to tune into us wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, if it's not Sunday morning. Glad that you have chosen to connect in one spirit with us. So, yeah, here we are, one year later. Um, I checked our Zoom archives and it was one year ago, roughly this Sunday, I think March 15th was the date that uh, I came to you from my home office. We didn't have musicians. It was just me because just a couple days earlier, we'd made the decision that uh, we weren't going to meet in person because of, of the virus. Um, we, we suddenly all took it seriously a year ago today and... It's just been, I don't know, the words sort of fail me, but it's been something for the past year. It's been, it's been separation, as I said in my meditation. It's been, it's been loneliness. It's been, it's been loss. It's been, it's been this journey. Uh, it's been a painful journey. It's been a journey of awakening and realization for a lot of different people around their lives. It's been it's been a year. It's been a hard year, y'all. I'm just going to say it. it's been a hard year. And even though we're beginning to uh, sense the, 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 the return and the reopening of, of, of things and, and, and the relief that comes with that, it's still been a hard year. And for some of us, that hard year is going to continue just a little bit longer. And I, want, and I want to speak to that today because, well, before I jump into why I want to speak about it today, let me let me catch everybody up. Just in case this is the first time you're watching the service with us or you haven't seen it for a while, I'm, I'm in the midst of, of, of a Lenten series. Lent is that time again leading up to Easter. Uh, it's about six weeks. And really a time we sort of focus on on, on, on setting aside an intentional time to, to release what no longer serves us um, in order that we can fully more experience the divine of who we are. And, um, and this last year has been we've, been, we've been forced to do a lot of letting go, um, right? Um, we've been forced to let go of the things we love to do. We've been forced to uh, let go of work for some of us. Um, and unfortunately, some cases, we've been forced to let go of people we love because of the pandemic. This time last year, um, there were only there were less than three thousand cases, and only about sixty people had died. And and here we are a year later, and and the the number is staggering, um, almost thirty million cases. You know, over five hundred thousand uh, deaths. There's there's been there's been that um, tangible loss, but there's also been you know, the, the intangible things that we have, de, you know, depended on as part of our experience of life that we maybe didn't even know until we couldn't experience them. We've, we've lost so much this past year. And of course, we know with loss comes, comes grief. And, and, and the interesting thing about it is that it's hard to experience to, to process grief and, and, and make peace with it while we're in the midst of the intensity of the loss. 
and we're not done with the intensity of the loss yet. You know, yes, people are getting vaccines. Yes, there's news of of cautious reopenings, and 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 yes, even even this community is probably going to be meeting in person soon again in 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 weeks or or or, or months. Like it's it's we can feel it coming, but the truth is we probably won't really be able to process the the true grief of this experience of the past year until later until when we've resumed our quote unquote normal living regular living whatever it is we want to call it that's sort of when a lot of this is also really going to hit us and then beyond that as well and and my invitation to you is to really start to take some time to notice that, to be with that, to prepare yourselves for that. Because simply just reopening and returning to the normal activities is not going to erase the grief and the loss we've been feeling in the last year. That's not how grief works suddenly bringing back the things we lost does not erase the feelings and the intensity of the loss that we felt during the past year. And that was made most acute for me last weekend with the finale of season one of WandaVision. Now, y'all know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi nerd. I'm a comic nerd. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because y'all can't see Brian right now. Yeah, I mean, let me switch it to gallery view. I said that, and Brian just Brian just like what like he sh he shook his head. You got some thoughts on WandaVision you want to share there, Brian? <laughs> you're unmuted. I know where you're Go going ahead. with it. I I do agree. I do agree. But uh, uh, yes, it you know you have to be a sci-fi person to get it. But yes, that was it was well done. Like much sci-fi, which incorporates a lot of our everyday feelings yeah. into a storyline that seems you know a little out of this world let's say but yes i get it there, there there you go so so for those of you who don't know what what we're talking about okay uh this is this is a marvel comic book series okay you've seen the marvel you know movies or maybe you've heard about them maybe you've even seen them like avengers and iron man and thor you know so so uh disney who owns Marvel, you know, they've got their streaming service called Disney Plus. And, you know, I watch all the TV. So uh, on Disney Plus, there's a series called WandaVision. And it's a series, uh, two of the characters, uh, um, Wanda um, Maximoff, who in the comic books we know is the Scarlet Witch. And um, she's got magical powers to alter time and, 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 and move things with her mind. And then there's Vision, who's basically like this uh, synthesoid. Anyways, they find themselves in a relationship they're, they're, they're life partners and, and he dies, he is destroyed. And I need to warn you. So this happens before the series starts and I need to warn you, there's going to be some spoilers in the series here. All right. I always get in trouble for spoiling things, but there's going to be spoilers. So if you do not want WandaVision spoiled, you know, pause now, go watch the episodes, come on back, finish the talk or, you know, but the point is this. In the series, it begins with this weird sort of like uh, homage to, to 50 sitcoms. They're in this weird like sort of 50 sitcom setup and we know something's a little off. 
And as the series progresses, what we realize is that, and again, here's the spoiler, in the pain of grief, of unresolved grief that she had from the loss and death of her life partner, this woman with these amazing psychic powers basically creates an alternative reality, an alternate reality. She's in this small town and she basically with her psychic powers hijacks, imprisons everyone to play out these sitcom realities and they're sitcom realities because she grew up watching a lot of sitcoms and, and those were, those were, um, emotionally safe places for her. So she creates this alternate reality where everybody thinks they're in this sitcom. And she also creates a reproduction of her husband in this. The loss and the trauma was so intense for her. She was unable to process and handle it. So her alternative was to create this alternate reality in order to ease the pain of her loss. Those of you who have walked through intense grief know what I'm talking about. We know that the pain of loss is so much that we see the world differently. We relate to others differently. And if we don't resolve it, we harm people because of the pain of that we are trying to avoid ourselves. These people were not, did not agree to this in the, in the series. They were, they were hijacked. And even though their minds were being controlled, they still had a sense that this was not them doing this. And they were, they were afraid. They were very, very afraid of what was happening. When we don't take the time to process, to be with our grief, to find some ways of, of, of living in peace with the grief, because there's not erasing the grief. There's just ways of learning to live and, 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 and embrace and find a journey of, of making peace with it. Then we're going to harm ourselves. And, and the last few weeks I've been doing, uh, I've, been, I've been referring to a lot of, a lot of Jesus stories. And for the first time, I looked at the perhaps Jesus's greatest miracle, raising Lazarus from the dead in a slightly different light. Because I got to tell y'all, you know, I, I like to be straightforward and honest with you. Since last Friday, not this Friday, a couple of Fridays ago, the week before, when I watched that uh, ending of WandaVision, I have been in just the grief has been there for me. It's been emotional. I know it's been there for me because the extent of my grief is directly related to the number of bags of potato chips I eat. And I'm on bag number three right now, y'all. I'm on bag three. Yes, I know it's junk food. Yes, I know it's not going to ease my pain. Yes, I know it's not going to it's not gonna help me manage the grief. And at the same time, as I'm sitting in it and processing it and working it through, the salt and fat tastes good. So I just need a little just all I'm going to put out there. I don't recommend it uh, myself. Trust me, I'm still riding the spin bike every morning. I'm not gaining weight from it. Yes, probably clogging my arteries a little bit, but I go through these phases. I go through these phases when the grief is really intense. I eat a little more junk food. I drink a little more wine. 
not and 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 yes, I know, I know in my head that this is like, hey, you know these aren't gonna help you. And of course they're not. And I'm also very intentional of creating time to just like sit in the pain of it and let myself cry and let myself grieve. On top of all of that is again the anniversary of starting this pandemic. So there's the grief of this past year, year anniversaries, those of us who suffer loss and grief, we know that, that, that those one year markers are huge triggers. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling the one year grief and loss of, of, of not being in person with you, of, 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 of life being upended. I'm feeling the, the, the grief and loss, the pre-grief and the pre-loss of, of leaving this spiritual community. And of course, yeah, it's, it's my choice to do it. And I'm clear I'm being called something else. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel the, the, the sadness and the grief of leaving this community. I've had a few uh, you know, one-on-one meetings with some of you who said, yeah, I want to I connect with you before you go. And, and it's, it's, it's been beautiful to share and talk and pray together and 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 shed some tears. Um, it's been a week, and it'll be another week, by the way, because I'm I'm real. I'm, my relocation is happening on the 19th, which is this Friday coming up. But again, you know, there's still always time to connect over the phone or in Zoom. After that, that's beside the point. But um, in this Jesus story, okay, and some of you might be aware of it. And in the interest of time, I won't I won't read the whole passage but it's in John chapter 11. And basically uh, there was Lazarus and he lived in a village called Bethany. It was where Mary and Martha lived. And these were all very close friends of Jesus. In fact, it says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And he got word that Lazarus was ill. So he said to his disciples, let's go and see them. On the way, he tells his disciples, Lazarus has died. He's got this connection and he senses when Lazarus has passed away. And he gets to the village and Lazarus has already been dead a few days. They've wrapped him up. They've they've put him in the tomb. And and I think I'm going to pick up and read some of the passage here. And... And Mary, when she saw Jesus, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So in her grief and pain, she's blaming Jesus. If you were here, this would not have happened, right? Because by this point in time, they all know about Jesus and his ability to heal. So she's angry with him. She's in distress. She's in grief. How many of us in the midst of grief have lashed out at other people? have said things we didn't mean, have treated them badly. And by the way, I'm throwing myself under the bus on this one. A few weeks ago, you know, when I announced, uh, after I announced that I was leaving and I, and I asked you as a community to go into your hearts and find that place of forgiving me for all the things I've said and all the things I did that I did that, that may have hurt you or wounded you inadvertently. I, I say this not as an excuse, but as a reminder of where I have been the last six months, sorry, six years with my wife passed away in 2015. I don't use my grief as an excuse I'm sharing this with you to remember to open your hearts with compassion for where I've been, for my journey, for the times that I said 
and did things that may have wounded you because guess what, folks? It's been a long six years of grief and hurt. There've been some up moments. They've been some down moments. It's been all over the place. I've been all over the place. And, and, and my apology to you is that I'm sorry that, that, that there were times when I was not in a place of recognizing that I was being, I was being Martha in this moment, or sorry, who I just read, um, Mary, I was being, I was being Mary in that moment, being angry and, and maybe lashing out and, and saying things. And he said to her, he was deeply moved when he saw her weeping and other people were weeping and he was disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. Jesus began to weep. There's three places in the Bible where we read about Jesus crying. The other one was like a general uh, crying over Jerusalem for how bad things have gotten. But this one, this one, this was personal. This was personal. Jesus, the man, suffered a deep personal loss. And if you're, if you're an old King James Version Bible person like I am, it's two words that they write it. Jesus wept. And the passage goes on to say that he said to her, did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? Take away the stone. So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, being the Bible skeptic and lover that I am, the question is, did this story really happen? Did Jesus physically raise Lazarus from the dead? In Easter, we're going to talk about did Jesus himself physically raise from the dead? And where I am with this always is that when we ask the question of did this really literally happen? The answer I always give people is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because here in unity, we take this metaphysical interpretation of what's written in the Bible and it pertains, every character pertains to our own consciousness journey. So it doesn't matter if this happened or not. You wanna believe that it did? That's great. You don't wanna believe that it happened for real? That's great too. But less for a moment take the sight of this really happened. Did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead to prove that he was the son of God and had power over death? That was the case. Why did he wait till just Lazarus to do it? You're telling me in the three years he's walking the earth in his ministry, he didn't come across some other dead people? Why did he wait till Lazarus? I believe, especially in the last week, he raised Lazarus because, and I, and I say this a lot, Jesus, like us, fully human, fully divine in potential. 
And he was having one of those fully human moments where the pain of the loss was so intense that he didn't want to deal with it. And he wanted to create an alternate reality. And he used his power to do that and raise Lazarus. So this might be a hot take, controversial take for the day, but I believe Jesus raised Lazarus because he couldn't handle the grief of the loss. It was too much in that moment. And you're probably saying, well, what's so wrong with that? He brought Lazarus back from the dead. That's a great thing. Is it though? Because as we saw in one division, and they don't tell you in the Bible, but if you play it out to the logical conclusion, they're going to have to lose Lazarus all over again. They're going to have to suffer Lazarus's death twice. Lazarus is going to have to suffer his own death twice. If I was Lazarus, I've said this before, kind of half jokingly, but if I was Lazarus, I'd be pissed. What was Lazarus's experience on the soul level while he was dead? When he was resurrected, does he have that memory, that experience with him? Because that changes a person. There's no one who's had a near-death experience that didn't come back and wasn't changed. There's no one who had a person, a friend, a loved one, who had a near-death experience, and then when they woke up, they weren't changed either. When we don't do the work, I mean the deep work, to address our, our, our pain of loss, we say and do things that are not good. We harm ourselves, we harm other people around us in subtle ways, in obvious ways. Many of us are, are, are looking to, to, to restaurants reopening, places reopening, the ability to come back to church and in person together and say, it's all over, the pandemic's over, now we can resume and, and pick back up life. All the, all the things that, we, that, we, that we've been in pain and grieving that we've lost are coming back. It's kind of, and that pain hasn't gone anywhere. And it's not suddenly going to vanish when we can meet in person for spiritual community again. And unless we really take the time to go in and process that, what's going to happen is that those first few weeks and months when we're meeting again, we're all going to be happy to see each other. There's going to be hugs. There's going to be laughter. And then what's going to happen is that there's going to be a little bit of an, un an unsettling that sets in behind it all. And you'll see that, that, that joyous mood start to diminish and fade. And we're going to be like, what is that about? Are we not happy to be together again? It's called the unresolved grief bubbling up. So, so I invite you to be mindful of this time, the next few weeks, the next few months, as, as we begin to reopen the world to realize that that journey of acceptance of where we've been for the last year has to continue. That the grief of the losses that we've suffered 
close to us, next to us, connected to us, is still going to be with us. And we have to extend ourselves and each other a little more compassion, a little more grace, a little more patience. My catchphrase is grace and space. We got to give ourselves and each other some grace and space more than we've ever done before in the next few weeks, in the next few months. We're not done with this yet. And we're not going to be done with it for quite some time in spite of what's happening outside of us. So before I go, I need to go back to the Lazarus story one more time because I did mention the metaphysical interpretation. And that's what we, how we, the lens through which we interact with the Bible here in Yindi. So when we speak about the raising of Lazarus metaphysically, it's this idea of restoring or reconnecting to awakening the consciousness of life within us, one of our 12 powers. That consciousness of life, of vitality, of creativity, which, which tends to sometimes go dormant within us. And as we, as we connect to and live from that, that Christ energy, that Christ divinity, the Christ consciousness within us, those things are reawakened within us. So if there's any spiritual tool that we can use as we move forward in this time, that's what it is, right? To, to reconnect with that I am of who we are and allow that, that inner energy of life to reawaken as, as we come out of this, like, for lack of a better word, this tomb that we've been in for the last year. So, so in the next few days, the next few weeks, I want you to be mindful and ask yourself these questions. Set aside time to be with these questions. Reflect. What, what did you lose in the last year? What, what was it? What parts of your pre-pandemic life did you lose that you're grieving? What of your post-pandemic life did you realize now that you might have lost from your pre-pandemic life that you don't want to pick back up? Because some of us are struggling with that too, and that's okay. Perhaps some of us are feeling the anxiety of like, wait, that means I got to go see a bunch of people now. And I got to say yes to all the invitations that come my way and all that sort of stuff. Maybe, maybe not, but, but be with that. Maybe in the past year, you really relished the extra time to read books and, and discover more yourself. And, and you're like, oh, the grind, I got to go back to the grind. Maybe you don't. Ask yourself these questions. Be with them. How are you going to honor what you've lost that's not coming back, whether it was your choice to let it go or you were forced to let it go and it was beyond your control? Be with these questions. See what comes up. Feel how the body responds. Be intentional in this time with your grief. We're all grieving. We've all lost, but we can all, we can all see this as an invitation to heal. 
with each other, but more importantly, for each other. Uh, a few announcements real quick before we go. Um, I'm teaching a meditation practices class uh, through Unity of Chapel Hill SEE Week. Visit our webpage, uh, unityontheriver.org slash classes for information on that. You have to register by March 18th, and the class is going to be from March 22nd through the 26th, 7 to 9 p.m. each night. Our social justice team is collecting books, children's books, so anywhere from early reader books to young adult uh, books in new or good condition. Connect with Andrea Downen on that. Her email is adownen0607 at gmail.com uh, for more information. All of this is in the newsletter. Um, and we're still looking for people to host spirit groups. So if you've seen uh, the announcements from the state around the reopening, you know, it looks like people who are getting, who've been vaccinated and getting both the doses uh, can start to like meet in small groups again. So perhaps the next round of spirit groups will both be on Zoom and could be in person too. So this would be a great opportunity to start connecting in person with folks in the spiritual community. So, but we need someone, some folks to host these spirit groups. Um, and these are just small groups where you do some um, intentional, um, you know, unity study and spiritual study. So connect with me if you think you'd like to host a spirit group. And yes, we provide training, all the content. You don't have to make up anything on your own. We got you covered. Please also check our newsletter. Uh, there's a bunch of like regional and national unity events that are coming up um, both online and in person down uh, later in the year for those. Um, if you're watching this Sunday morning, please connect with us 11 a.m. live on Zoom for some face-to-face -face time. Um, the information is on our website, unityontheriver.org. As always, we'll have prayer chaplains on duty if you want to connect one-on-one -on -one prayer with someone. Um, our midweek meetup still happens Wednesday morning at 9 and Wednesday night at 7, also on Zoom. We connect with each other, catch up how the week's going, spend a little time in meditation. Um, as always, thank you for continuing to donate and invest in your spiritual community. If you'd like to share a monetary gift, go to unityontheriver.org slash donate. Um, you can um, share via Venmo. We've got a Venmo account now. Um, look on our webpage. There's a barcode right at the bottom, a QR code right at the bottom of our webpage that has the Venmo uh, code account. Um, I think on Venmo, it's U-O-T-R-A. Uh, that's the account uh, name at U-O-T-R-A for Venmo. And as always, you can so easily use your phone to text the donation to us. If you have not set this up yet, text the word GIVE to 833-702-4337. And then all you got to do is, once you set that up, it takes about five minutes, text the, uh, the amount you want to donate to that number, and that's all you do.